All right, the sanctified Tennessee travelers are back. <laughs> we'll start in Genesis 12, first three verses of chapter 12. Words spoken to Abraham or Abram at this time. It was God's call to Abram. Notice there, now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Let's pray. Oh God, I'm so thankful to be here with thy dear saints. Father, the fellowship of, of being here is such an oasis, uh, such a, a quiet time, a peaceful time. Father, coming out of the hustle and bustle of the world, Father, I thank you that we may come aside and, <clears throat> Father, that we may hear from you, from your word. And Father, I pray that you would take these few words tonight from, Father, your unprofitable servant and help us tonight. Lord, we confess our sins to you. And, Father, we also confess our great need of you for every single moment of our lives. Father, I pray that you would help us, Father, to live lives of wholehearted trust and devotion to you in everything father oh lord you know how we are prone to think we can handle things ourselves we're prone to be confident in ourselves oh god i pray you would strike those those sinful characteristics from our hearts help us to trust you with all of our hearts and we'll give you the praise in jesus name amen <clears throat> in verse two you can see when god called abraham out he said, I will make you a great nation. I will bless thee and make thy name great. And then he speaks the words at the end of verse 2. And thou shalt be a blessing. And you, Abraham, shall be a blessing. You will be a blessing to the world. And, that is, and we know that's because that through Abraham's fleshly line, the Messiah would come. So we know the spiritual implications there. And he was saying, you are going to be a blessing. He says at the in verse three, he says in thee because of you, Abraham, this is profound to think about this. I've been thinking about it uh, for the past few days. God chose Abraham. And that line would go straight to the Messiah. David would come through Abraham's line. And of course, all of those that would be in the line of the Messiah. And so he said, I've chosen you. And not only will you bless the world because this Messiah and Prince, the Savior of the world, will come through you, but you in your life personally will be a blessing. You will. And listen, every one of us, children of God, you read Romans chapter 4, the Bible says each one of us has the faith of Abraham. We follow his example. In fact, in verse 12 of chapter 4, the Bible says we walk in the steps, or we are to, but we are to walk. Now, and he uses the circumcision there. He says, this is not to the circumcision only. 
to the Jews, but also to all nations. Because in Genesis 12, 3, he says, you will be a blessing to all nations, all peoples in the whole world. That's Jew and Gentile. And so anyone that has the faith of Abraham, believers in Christ, we are to walk in the steps of faithful Abraham. Live, conduct ourselves like he did. And part of that will be, as God told Abraham in verse 2, and thou shall be a blessing. You will be a blessing. And so, beloved, those who simply knew Abraham and became friends with him, they were blessed simply because they accompanied with a man in whom the presence of God dwelt. And think about that for your own life. The presence of God was with Abraham. Anyone who knew Abraham knew that he was a believer in Yahweh and Jehovah God in that time. They knew that. He feared the Lord. And we could see that in his life. Yes, you can see um, when he tripped, when he stumbled. But Abraham had, a, had an unstaggering faith, the Bible says, in Romans chapter 4 and verse, uh, Romans chapter 4 and the end of the chapter. And so, beloved, that's the same faith that we, are, that we should have. The presence of God was with him. And because of that, he blessed those that were around him. There were blessings that outflowed from his life. Gospel truth went forth from him. And so, beloved, as he would be a blessing or he should be a blessing, so each one of you should be a gospel blessing to those that company with you, those that know you. They should know about your faith in Christ. They should know about your faith in God. They should know about our faith in God, beloved, because we should, as Abraham, since we have the same faith, and that faith was toward Christ, we should walk in the same steps as faithful Abraham. And so those that know us should know that we love Christ. Those that know us should know that we're devoted to Christ. And beloved, in that way, we should bless those that company with us. Uh, listen, those who know, knew Abraham in his day, again, they knew about his faith in God. And so think about yourself, just being acquainted with you. Think about your life now. Just being acquainted with you, just working beside you, living with you in your family, beloved, should be a blessing from God to all those that know you. You should be a blessing from God. Um, you should be a godly gospel influence and blessing to God to all who know you. James says every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Now, I believe he's talking about salvation. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Have you ever considered yourself to be a gift and a blessing to those who are around you? Have you ever considered that when God sends you into the midst of a company of people that God sent you there to be a faithful witness because you are to walk in the same steps as faithful Abraham? Think about it. So many people are living without God in the world, lost and dead in their trespasses and sins. Just being in your company and being associated with you may be the closest that they ever come to God might be the closest, you might be the closest gospel witness that a person ever comes into the proximity of. And we're going to see in a moment, I'm going to read you some passages from the scripture where, where certain people were blessed just because they were in the presence of a Christian. 
of a saint. They were blessed just because of that. Now, some of these were, were blessings in the world in that sense, but they were blessed simply for being in the presence of these believers in Christ. Listen, just your presence in the world, child of God, in your personal society, should bring light, should bring truth, should bring the wisdom that's from God, should bring right thinking into the conversation. You know, the danger of us going out into the world is when we go out and we live our lives in the world, the great danger is, is us being influenced by the world to behave like the world, to, to, to kind of slide back in the world. But beloved, it needs to be the other way around. Brother, brethren, we are to be the influence. Look at Matthew chapter 5, and then we'll, I'll read you some of those examples, but Matthew chapter 5, and you know this passage. Matthew 5 and verse 13. This is the Sermon on the Mount. You know it. Jesus said, you're the, I'm sorry, verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt hath lost his savor... Now, I thought I asked this question before, and I don't know if anybody answered. Maybe somebody did answer it, but can salt lose its savor? I don't know the answer to that question. Can salt lose its saltiness? I don't know. But Jesus here says, if the salt does lose its savor, it's useless. So basically, you, you shake. It's, it's interesting. You know, you go in a restaurant, and I like to watch people do things in a restaurant. You go to the restaurant, and you watch, and look on every table. What do you see? A salt shaker. Salt and pepper shaker on every table. And when you go eat with a bunch of people, you look. And I don't ever do that. I just eat it the way it is. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. doesn't mean you're bad if you pick up the salt shaker. But you watch. People, they'll go. And why do they do that? Because it stimulates the taste. Makes it more tasty. In fact, my wife, when she gets french fries, she goes. I said, Stop. She loves salty french fries. But now Jesus is saying you are the salt of the earth. What's another thing salt does? You know, that, you know, you look in canned goods. I don't think you can buy canned goods that don't have salt in them because it preserves. I mean, it. or you can? Okay, she said you can. Anyway, but salt preserves. You put salt on meat. And salt preserves meat. It preserves food from from putrefying or rotting. And that's an example for us as well, beloved. We are to bring purity and cleanliness, cleanness to society, the grace, the truth of God to society. So were there be the salt of the earth, but if the salt hath lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It's good for nothing to be cast out and trodden under foot of men. That's what you are to be. And in that way, you will be a blessing. You're the light of the world. You're to light up the room with gospel truth. You're to light up the room with wisdom that comes from God when you go into the dark world. And in that way, beloved, we are to be a blessing to the world. You're the light of the world. The city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. We're not to hide our gospel light. We're to be a blessing. And listen, I know that's when the palms get sweaty and we get nervous when we're going to talk to someone about Christ. But that's what God's called us to be a blessing, beloved, in the way we live, in the way we speak in the way we carry ourselves in the world, we are to be a blessing. Listen, people of the world ought to be better just for knowing you. They ought to learn from you just 
from the way you behave. They ought to learn. They ought to be made better just for being around you. And that's the way it ought to be, beloved, for all of us as Christians. In fact, look at Genesis 30. Genesis chapter 30. Uh, we'll see some examples now. This is Laban. And this is Jacob who worked for Laban. And this is that same Laban who when Jacob wanted to marry Rachel, he brought Leah into the tent. So he deceived Jacob. This is Jacob who loved Rachel, who saw Rachel at the well, who wanted to marry Rachel. Laban said, nope, you got to marry the older one first. So he served for seven years. He served for seven more years for Rachel. And in verse 25, this is when it all came to a head and Jacob was ready to leave. And it came to pass, verse 25, when Rachel had borne Joseph, that Jacob said unto Laban, Send me away that I may go unto mine own place and to my country. Give me my wives and my children, for whom I have served thee, and let me go, for thou knowest my service which I have done unto thee. Jacob did a good job for Laban. Laban said unto him, I pray thee, if I have found favor in thine eyes, tarry and notice for I have learned by experience that the Lord hath blessed me for thy sake because of you. Because of you I have been blessed. Now I want you to think about that in a spiritual sense, beloved. Are people blessed with the knowledge of God, with the truth of God? Are they blessed to be around you? Are they blessed to know the things of God? Are they blessed to see how a child of God should behave in the world? Are they blessed to see godly humility? Are they blessed to see someone who teaches them about godly morality just by the way we behave? Beloved, we should. And Laban here says, I have learned by experience that the Lord hath blessed me for thy sake. He says it again. If you look down in verse 30, actually, he says, For it was a little which thou hadst before I came. This is Jacob. And it is now increased into a multitude. And the Lord hath blessed thee since my coming. And now... When shall I provide for my own house? And so the Lord blessed Laban's house for the sake of Jacob. And listen, God should bless those around us for the sake of the God whom we serve, the blessings that come from God. Look at Genesis 39. This is Joseph. This is Joseph. You think of a man who was sold by his brothers? Now he was, he was enslaved by these Ishmaelites. They owned him. Can you imagine being owned and then sold? It was probably a market. And Potiphar, the Egyptian one over there, I'll take him. And you see right here, 39.1. Now Joseph was brought down to Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard. An Egyptian bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. Now, you know, you just listen, think about what's going through Joseph's mind. You think about someone who's wrongly taken captive. You think about maybe how you would think. And beloved Joseph teaches us how we should think. And think about the, the horrible situations sometimes that we get in. And we, we think we have every right to think the way we're thinking, which a lot of times is wrong. Well, Joseph didn't think like that. And he was one of the most 
insurmountable, wonderful blessings of a testimony in all of the word of God. Of course, he's a type of Christ. It says the Lord was with Joseph. Beloved, if the, Lord's with, if the Lord's with us, we ought to be a blessing to all those around us. See, he was prosperous. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. How did he see that? And, you know, you read this about these Egyptians and they're mentioning Yahweh, Jehovah, because these, these people of Israel, these faithful believers, they talked about the God of they talked about the God of Abraham. This is who I believe in. This is Yahweh. This is the Lord. And now he says, Potiphar saw that the Lord was with him. How? Well, obviously from his testimony, from his integrity, from his behavior, how he acted. Listen, beloved, we can know all of our theology perfectly to the T. But if we don't live it, then what we know will stink in the ears of those that hear it. Beloved, he saw Joseph's behavior. And man, I can't, I can't stress enough, beloved, who we are in how we conduct ourselves needs to speak the doctrine of Christ that we believe. Joseph was a blessing. He looked, the Lord made everything to prosper in his hand. Verse four, Joseph found grace in his sight and he served him and he made him overseer over his house and all that he had, he put into his hand. Joseph didn't think about being sold. Joseph just said, I'm going to serve God in where he put me. And it came to pass from the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in his house and in the field. A blessing upon this lost man. It's an amazing thing, beloved. That's Listen, that should be who we are, beloved. Look at Acts 27 and verse 9. This is when Paul was appealing to Caesar and they were getting on this ship to sail. And this is one of those times when Paul said, he told, he told the centurion, and, and I'll challenge you to this because I've, I've kind of looked into this myself. You find me a bad centurion in the Bible. You won't find him. Every centurion in the word of God, they, they seem to be honorable men. And some were believers. They believed Christ. We know the centurion in, in the book of Matthew. But look here. It says now when, in verse 9, when, when much time was spent, when sailing was now dangerous, because the fast was now already passed, Paul admonished them. Now, I didn't know if Paul was a sailor. I don't think he was. But it says, he said unto them, sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with, with much hurt and much damage, or with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading of the ship, but also of our lives. He said, listen, we, we, take, we, we get in this boat, we're risking our lives. And this shipmaster is thinking, what do you know about sailing? Look, nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. And because the haven was not commodious to winter in, in uh, the more part advised to depart thence also. That, the more part, you know what that means? Majority rules. What do y'all want to do, guys? Everybody raise their hands. Let's get out of here. So it was like the majority said, let's go. And so they left. If by any means they might attain unto, unto Phoenicia and there to winter, which is a haven of Crete, which lieth toward the southwest and northwest. And when the south wind blew softly, 
supposing that they had obtained their purpose, loosing thence they sailed close by Crete. But not long after there arose against it a tempestuous wind called Eurachlodon. And what it means is the storms of the east. And when the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive. Basically, it means they just gave in to the wind. They couldn't do anything. And running under a certain island, which is called Clauda, we had much work to come by the boat. And I think this is talking about an extra boat that was on the boat. It was like a lifeboat, which when they had taken up, they used helps undergirding the ship. And fearing lest they should fall into the quicksands, they strake sail and were so driven. To strike sail means to take the sails down. So they took the sails down so that they wouldn't be so much at mercy of the wind. And we being exceedingly tossed with a tempest, the next day lightened the ship. So this thing is going on for two days. And the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. That's the ropes. That's the sails. That's everything that they used to drive this thing. They were trying to lighten the ship. And when neither sun nor stars were seen after many days, or, and when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay upon us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. And after a long abstinence, Paul stood forth. Paul sat there and he watched everybody throwing everything out of the ship. And he sat there and he said, okay, it's time for me to talk. He said, sirs, you should have hearkened unto me and have not loosed from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. But listen, they were about to learn to be so thankful that Paul was on that ship with them. And he says here, And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. The ship's going down, boys, but you're all going to survive. For there stood by me this night an angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. The world doesn't know how good it is at times. And probably some of them maybe won't know how blessed they were that they were there with you. And here's an instance where Paul encouraged them. And God had told them that none of them would lose their lives. Don't ever underscore, beloved, the impact, the influence that you and I should have on people's lives. We serve the creator. We serve him. His presence is with us, ought to be with us, beloved. We ought to be the greatest blessings that this world knows. One final in Mark 4.35, I saved the best one to last. This is the Lord Jesus. It's also about a storm in Mark chapter 4 and verse 35. I love this. I love this little seemingly insignificant phrase in this passage. It says in Mark 4, 35, after Jesus had spoken a parable, and it, the, the scripture before this says he spake to them always in parables. It says, but in the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, 
they took him even as he was in the ship. It was a boat. And this is the little phrase. And I think I said this one time before. There were also other little ships. So it was the boat that the Lord was in and his apostles. And there were some other little boats. Now we kind of forget about those other little boats. And it says there arose a great storm of wind and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Don't you care that we're going to die? The apostles in that one boat. And he arose and he rebuked the wind. And he said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Do you believe that really happened? I do. But you know what we fail to remember? All those other little boats that were in the proximity of the Lord Jesus, they were blessed also by the calm. <laughs> we, all, we just think of the boat that Jesus was in and his apostles. But those other, other little boats who were at peril on the sea were blessed by the calm. One final example, and I'll finish, and I won't even read it, but I got, the Lord showed me this from Jonah. We should be blessings to all those that we come in contact with. Here was the prophet Jonah. God commanded him to go and preach repentance to Nineveh. Jonah went the other way. He ran from the presence of the Lord. If there's one place you don't want to be, is in the proximity of a man that God is chasing, a man who's disobeyed God. Listen, these mariners couldn't get rid of him fast enough, but they were honorable men. They found out the captain goes down this big storm. These men are calling upon all of their false gods. They wanted to know, why is this come upon us? The captain goes down on the ship and says, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise and call upon thy God. Then they find out he was a believer in Yahweh, in the Lord. They feared greatly. He said, I'm telling you, boys, throw me overboard. It's the only way you'll be free of this thing. They were men of integrity. They, they kind of indicated, no, we're not going to do that. And the Bible says they rode hard to get it to land. But God said, sorry, boys, not going to happen until you throw him overboard. And finally they did. They, God didn't tell them that. But Jonah said, got to get rid of me. And as soon as they threw him overboard, what happened to the sea? Calm. Talk about Jonah being a blessing when he was really being a curse. After they saw the miracle of the calm sea, knowing that he was a believer in the Most High God, they offered sacrifices to Jehovah. They believed in Jehovah. Now, would that, I don't, we shouldn't want that to be our experience, beloved. But listen, brethren, we are to be blessings. Listen, when you go out into the world to your family, to your children, they don't have to be these Hollywood blessings. Just We need to be blessings to our family. Just little blessings, beloved. Gospel blessings. We need to, to show them Christ. A lot, listen, a lot of folks, ain't, they're not going to listen to what you say, but they're going to watch you. They're going to they're look at you. They're going to see you. And listen, they should see Christ in you. They should. We should make people better 
by having known us. Listen, they should know. Listen, I don't believe in their God, but you can't argue with their testimony. And listen, that's a powerful witness. And that should be who all of we that that should be who we all are, beloved. And so remember that promise, Genesis 12, 2. God said, I'm going to make you a the whole earth's going to be the whole earth's going to be blessed because of you, because the Messiah is going to come through you. But you, you're going to be a blessing. Thou shalt be a blessing. God didn't save you to just sit on the side and do nothing. God saved you. In fact, I forgot to read. This is an excellent verse. Just one little verse. First Peter 2, 9. It was in the closing notes, but I, I shut my notes. Peter writes here. He says, but you are a chosen generation. Think about this for you. You're a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. This is you, Christian. And holy nation. A peculiar people. Means purchased, literally. That you should show forth the praises of him in your life who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but now are the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now you have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak evil against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God, in the day of visitation. Beloved, we ought, to, we ought to be blessings to all around us. Blessings in every way. I, I read before this, uh, Matthew chapter 5. Bless them that curse you. Bless them that curse you. That's not a natural response. But it ought to be our response, beloved. We're called by a great king. We are so privileged to be able to carry the gospel of Christ into the world, to carry true blessings. People say, oh, I was blessed all the time. They don't know what a blessing is. A blessing is a divine benefit, an advantage, a gift from God. Beloved, you possess the real blessings that come from the real God of heaven. And so, beloved, that's what we are to be in the world. I pray that God would help us all in it. Help us all. Let's pray. Lord, please help us, Father, to see Oh, God, you're such a wonderful God. Lord, you've blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. And, Father, they're not just to, to hide or to, to put under a bushel, Father, to run and uh, be solitaries, Father. But we are to show forth the praises of you, our God, who have called us from the darkness to the light. Father, help us to show forth Christ. Oh, God, it, it should be easy for people to recognize father uh, the truths of christ the graces the fruit of the spirit coming out of our lives the world is full of such darkness and father we ought to shine as lights lights in this dark world help us to do so father please keep us from sliding into the world keep us from assimilating and behaving like the world father help us not to do that oh god please oh god enable us father enable us and help us Father, we know that where you command, you give ability. And so, Father, we need it. We need your grace. Father, we owe everything to you. We owe all to you, Father. And we'll give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen.